about to blow I gotta stay on my hustle, you know that I'm grinding for sure I came out right from the bottom, now they see me chasing my goals Now they see me on the go, now they see me on the road It's time to hustle, yeah, it's time to grow I'ma shoot for the stars and we ain't for the gold It's time to hustle, yeah, it's time to grow Kia everyone, welcome back to Hustlers, I'm your host Loss um, We got the man on E-Highways, aka Easy e What's up G? What's up my bro, how are you? Good, good bro, how are you? Yeah, not too bad bro, not too bad What part of France are you in at the moment? We're in uh, La Rochelle bro, it's like uh, on the west coast about halfway up Not a bad little spot bro, little town, similar to Hawke's Bay actually Like a seaside town bro, similar size so no, We're loving that bro over here at the moment so it sort of feels a little bit like closer to home, kind of. Yeah, yeah, very similar, bro. Very similar, like stony beaches, like similar to, to back home, not the nice sandy ones you find uh, in other yeah. parts of France, but it is what it is. But yeah, no, nah, <laughs> a little town and uh, good people and good group of boys in the team and stuff. So always makes it easier. You've got a good group of uh, foreigners, foreigners looking after you. Um, you done much traveling? Bro, heaps, eh? Like, Whenever we get a bit of time off, we um we try Fuck and get I'm away. Jealous, but... you bastard, <laughs> bro. Honestly, like being over here, it's so so easy to travel, bro. Like everywhere's so close. Like in Europe, bro, you're an hour flight from London, hour and a half from Spain, bro. It's it's crazy over here, but yeah. Anytime we get off, bro, we try and try and get away as much as we can. Where's the most recent spot you've been to? Um. So in the last off season, bro. We we had six weeks off, so we. Uh, where did we start? We went to Mallorca, a little island off the coast of Spain first. But that's where Love Islands were called today. Yeah, but yeah, they filmed Love Island. <laughs> we had, they, bro, they were filming it when we were there. We tried to, um, we thought about driving to like drive past the villa, but it was it was quite far away from where we were staying. And oh, I used yeah. to be and stuff anyway. But that was nice, bro. We went there and then we uh, went around a few of the Greek islands, bro, Mykonos. Uh, Naxos, Paros, bro, the Unreal. Greek Island's probably one of my favourite favorite spots in Europe so far. And then we finished in the south of France. So, yeah, the six weeks, bro, we were away the whole time and then um, got back in, back into back into Mahi. But, yeah, bro, the, the time off you get, you got to make the most of it. Bro, that's gone. Fuck, that's mean. Um, before we crack into it, Joe, I'll just make a quick uh, shout-out to the sponsor, Arepa. Have you seen that drink before? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, it's like a non, non-caffeine drink. It's pretty much a brain drink. So um, yeah, supposed to yeah, help yeah, with that yeah. cognitive performance. Um, we're on the streets. The AVs are using it at the moment. Um, it's scientifically proven. Like it's, made, it's been made by like world-leading scientists and it actually tastes mean too. Um, we're going to we fridge into the podcast, but we don't have one yet because um, the shipping with COVID <laughs> fucking everything up. But um, you can go onto the website and use Hustlers20 and you get a discount code, 20% off um, your box and try it out yourself. You take it 20 minutes before um, you're supposed to do something, whether it be you've got a big night studying or um, you've, got a, you've got a game on and you've got to get that last kick. Um, it's, it's, it's good for everything, bro. So they, they actually um, hooked me up with my guests, bro. So if you're keen, I'll get you a box over to try it out. Yeah, bro, definitely keen. I think I've actually seen... Um Greg Weber, he, I think he's chucked it up on his social media, maybe. Oh, does he run like it? That. Possibly, yeah. Or like he's tried it. I think I think I've seen something about him with that, maybe. Yeah, oh, you try it and, and, and see if it works out. You might fucking be pumping it, G. Yeah, um, right, right. 
let's go back to the start, G. Let's go back to your upbringing in that. Um, where we where were you born and, and brought up? Yeah, bro. So I was born in uh, uh, Hawke's Bay, little little village there called Havelock North, about five minutes from Hastings, oh, 15, yeah. 20 minutes from, from Napier. Um, had, a, had a pretty good upbringing. Uh, my mum's a, a small town Māori girl from Ruatori on the East Coast, and my dad's a, a small town Pākehā fella from a little town called Geraldine, south of Christchurch. So pretty much two opposites, bro, but they... Um, they're both teachers and they managed, they sort of cross paths and you know, me and my sister later, they there's a family. But yeah, we grew up, we settled in, they settled in Hawke's Bay and I spent all my childhood there. Um big whanau, bro. My mum's one of twelve brothers and sisters. My dad is one of five, so heaps of cousins, heaps of whanau gatherings, wow. heaps of sport with the cousins and playing in the backyard and stuff like that. Um, but like I said, older sister. Um, so we're pretty close, still still close now, and um, yeah, it's pretty lucky with the with the upbringing I had in the in the in the mighty bay, real bay, the second bay. <laughs> <laughs> um, where did you play schoolboy for, DJ? Uh, so I went to I went to Napier Men's. We call it Napier Men's, <laughs> Napier Men's High School. <laughs> um, Rotorua Men's High School. Yeah, something like that. So. Uh, yeah, I did my high schooling there and loved it, bro. Um, my, like I said, my dad is a secondary uh, high school teacher, so he he actually taught there. So ever since oh. like I was little, I was going to watch the first fifteen games and all the all the sports there. So I always wanted to to go to that school and wear the famous sky blue jersey we call it. Um, so I was lucky enough to do that and got some, you know, some some of my best mates still to this day that. You know, spent those five years at school with, and we had some awesome memories, and um, yeah, played some played some good footy too. So yeah, it was a really enjoyable time. How many um, how many years did you play first fifteen there? I played two, so my six, well, year twelve and year thirteen. I oh, yeah. my year eleven, bro, I was too small, too scared to try and trial, so I was just stuck with the humble under fifteens <laughs> and. Uh, didn't want to try and tackle the big boys, so I just stayed with my my size boys. And then, yeah, my last two years of school, I, I played first thing. I could have gone back for – I was young enough to go yeah, back and play again. I was just going to ask that if you were young because yeah. you said under-15s and you're 11. Yeah, yeah. So I was young enough to go back and play or do another year of school. But, yeah, I was just – I was over the, the schoolwork and yeah. sitting in class and stuff like that. So, yeah, I did, I did consider it, but, no, I – didn't, didn't end up doing it. Did you have a gig like pretty much straight away leaving school? Um, oh, yeah, like academy academy contract. So yeah. I signed with – I actually signed an academy contract in my last year of school with Hawke's Bay. So I signed a two-year two year one. Um, so the first year was my last year. And it was like a, $1,000 and I thought I was balling, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like four paydays uh, throughout the year, like every three months, and it was like 200 bucks coming into my account and I was – Straight down to the dairy, shouting the boys' pies and coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I was mean. Um, but yeah, then the next year, I uh, was a bit more money and I was, you know, training with Academy. And then on top of that, they put you into like EIT, which is like the Polytech down there. So I wasted, I wasted a bit of my time there, just going to class every now and then and not really paying attention and, and failing. So that was a bit of a waste of time. But <laughs> what yeah. did you study there? 
I did uh, Sport and Rick, just your right. classic, like, you know what I wanted to do. <laughs> a couple of other boys were doing it too, so I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But that's when you, like, uh, you know, academy days, you have gym, like, 6 a.m. in the morning, and then some of the boys Nothing. go work. Yeah. yeah, some of the boys go work or study, and then you got training later that night. So there was a lot of times, a lot of days, like, you'd go gym, and then after gym, you'd be like, Nah, I can't be doing class today. So you go home and sleep, and sleep all day, and miss class and start failing. And yeah, so those were those were the good old days. Pretty preached, yeah. I fucking failed. I tried to get a uni as well, and I failed that shit. Um, yeah. But <laughs> did you spend any time with the like Midas team in that year? Uh, what year was that? No, nah, not my first year out of school. I went and did like a couple of trainings and stuff, but. No, nah, I was like, nah, I wasn't keen to try and play either. Like, I was like, tiny ass, like 70 kgs, dripping wet. Wasn't okay. trying to go out there and tackle all those big boys. So I went to a few trainings here and there. And, um, but it wasn't until the next year where they sort of got me in a bit more. And uh, I think I played, I was on the bench for one game or so. But then 2012 was the year where I, where I made the squad. Was that the th- what your third year out? Yeah, so I finished school in 09. And then, yeah, 2012 was my first year in the, in the Magpie setup. Do you reckon, I'll just like speaking to you then, like, sounds like you got heaps of um, like self awareness. Do you, have you ever felt that? Like, kind of like patience in a way? Like, I, if I think of boys like our age and that, like, no matter how big we were, um, we were like, fuck, we just wanted to like play top level, like, straight away. It's like you knew your body you knew yourself like you were like year 11 you're like fuck i'm not ready yet like year 12 i am and same thing with when you came out of school and that do, do you feel like you've been, always been like that yeah i think so a little bit i don't know if it's self-awareness or just being scared of trying to tackle big boys <laughs> <laughs> but no nah, it's definitely, definitely a bit of self-awareness like i think it was probably a little bit different when i came out of school until like a couple of years after i finished where boys were getting contracts lot younger and they were getting younger boys you know straight in from school i think it's probably started maybe a year or so after we left so yeah when i was coming out of school there wasn't too many boys playing miters or or playing super there was probably one or two here and there so yeah i knew like i could just buy my time and you know build that experience and that confidence to play with with growing men to be able to get out in the field and, and do what i do that's mean did you do you remember your debut for for the magpies yeah, but yeah, I remember it was uh, it was against counties at home. Um, the only way I remember it is because uh, I like um, got the ball and made like this little break down the sideline, yeah. and then I did like this little rubber, but the touchy put his flag up. But then they showed the replay on the big screen. Oh, and I went and scored, but the touchy had his flag up, and they um, showed on the big screen, bro, and I kicked the ball before my foot went out. And then they showed the touchdown on the big screen, bro, and he was just getting ripped into. <laughs> I'm kind of sorry for him with that. But, um, you know, my debut would have been nice to score that. But, um, Did you start that game? No, no, nah, nah, I came off the bench. So I came off for like the last probably 20. Oh, the impact, bro. Impact. What could have been? What could have been? Holy <laughs> shit. Well, I'm going to snip at that, G. We'll chuck that up. It'll be funny. I'll try to find that. Um, yeah. How long did you spend in the Magpies before you kind of started knocking on Super? Um, so 2012, like the 2012 year was my first year and I played like, I think my debut was maybe like the third or fourth game. Came off the bench a couple of times and then probably started like the last 
four or three or four games. And then the next year, 2013, we had a pretty good we had a pretty good year to make wise. We like won the won the shield and lost it like a week a week later, but we got to the final of the was the championship, like not the top one, but the second one. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost that and like um my name was getting thrown around a bit for super and stuff, but um I didn't manage to get one. I was actually um got an offer from the Rebels, so I was thinking about going over to Melbourne. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But at that time I was like young, pretty scared to move away from home, you know, go to a big city like Melbourne. And also there was chat about me making the the Maori All Black. So I was, you know, real keen to stay and play for them. Yeah. And then um NZ Rugby said that they'll give me like a little uh, sort of like an injury replacement gig at some super team that for that next season. So yeah. 2014 was when I sort of first or got into super. But it was a weird setup where, like, I, I um, went to the Chiefs for preseason on the thing from the New Zealand Rugby Union. So I spent preseason there and a couple of weeks of the season there, and then I went back to Hawke's Bay, played some club rugby, and also played for the Hurricanes development because you have to play for like the development team oh, that yeah. your your union's in. So I had to play for for the Canes development, and then like halfway through that season, I got caught into the Blues. So. I finished that season, 2014 season at the Blues, and that's where I made my debut and um, played my, my first bit of Super Rugby. It was crazy, bro. I was at the Chiefs at the start, played for the Canes development, and then finished at the Blues. So it was a whirlwind of a year. Holy shit, bro. Remember that? Um, any any memorable moments from that debut? For the Blues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, I remember it because uh, we were playing the Reds, I actually, the week before I was on the bench, we played the Waratahs and, um, at Eden Park and I, I sat on the bench for 80 just watching the boys win and uh, didn't manage to debut, but you know, I was stoked that the boys won and I was just there like sitting on the bench just in awe of like, who I was playing with and playing against like the boys that were on that field. And then, yeah, the next week we played the Reds and I got my, de- got my debut. The boys were, were up by a few and I got to come on and I managed to get a tenacious try, bro. Like Charlie Pusel got this intercept, and he just got tackled, bro. And I was just like the closest one, so he just offloaded to me, and I managed to score because no one else was around. And um, yeah, that was my debut, bro. Bro, I remember that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Did you? I was pretty, pretty, pretty lucky, bro. Like I was pretty stoked, stoked um, to be in that position when Charles got that that intercept. That's wicked, bro. Um, what about like? Moving on, like further on to the sort of Maldives, like when were you sort of in the frame for that? Yeah, so that was the the year before the twenty thirteen year when I when we had a pretty good uh, Mighty Team Cup season. I was I Team Cup oh, back then. Right. Um, yeah, so twenty thirteen we where we played the final, like I said, that championship final against uh, Tasman, where we were losing. We scored on the hooter in the corner. Last play, bro, I had a kick to win it, bro, right in front of, like, all their fans. Like, you know, down in Nelson, bro, the fans, like, right on the fence, yeah. like, right on the sideline. Yeah. Bro, just into me, into me. And I was like, <laughs> can't wait to kick it. Bro, and I shaked it. <laughs> Missed it, bro. Final whistle win, and that was game over. Um, and then, like, so we spent the night there, bro, and then the next day we, us boys from both teams flew to Auckland, I think it was, for the Maldives tour, so... You know, the Tasman boys were all hungover and stuff, happy on the plane, and all us Hawks Bay boys were just 
sulking sitting next <laughs> to them. Um, yeah, that was my first my first Maldives tour, bro. Twenty thirteen, we went to uh, Canada and and the states, so it was, it was a pretty awesome tour. And uh, like growing up as as a Maldives boy, it's always always a team you want to be a part of, and yeah, um, to have the chance to play for them. Uh, and and two pretty cool countries like Canada and the states was uh, was awesome. Yeah, there's probably two countries like growing up you probably wouldn't think you'd go to for footy here, eh? Like Canada and, and yeah, the right, states. Yeah, hundred percent. Really, you don't see much of them playing footy or things like that. So to be able to go there and experience it, um, I think we went, you know, like we went to an NBA game and things like that. So it was crazy, bro. And it was it was awesome. You seen any of that um, MLR? Yeah, but I've seen uh, seen a little bit of it. Like, well, it looks looks pretty unreal, eh? Like, yeah. I follow some of the boys that are in the LA team. Like, just the lifestyle oh, yeah. they're living, bro. Looks pretty crazy. Even the New York team, bro. New York team will be yeah. unreal, bro. But um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it keeps kicking off in the next next couple of years, and might be able to finish off my career and and the yeah. stage will be pretty cool. Is that something you consider? Because you're um you're always quite um hard out into your like American sports in that eh? I think I remember. Yeah, bro. Always keen on um bit of b ball and American yeah. football and stuff like that. So um. And we've spent like like we said before with a bit of traveling. Like we went to New York for one of our breaks and went to a couple of games and stuff. And yeah, they just do sports so cool in the states. Eh? Like oh, everything around the game, like before halftime, after is unreal. So yeah, it'll definitely be something that I'll consider um, later on in in my career. It's hard out commercialized over there. Eh? The only thing with the teams is um, like the boys just aren't getting enough coin at the moment. Eh? But fuck, I can see yeah, that. I can see that growing massively. Especially with the amount of money that's in in America, yeah, bro, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like that dude that owns the LA team. Do you know who that is, Gilchrist? Yeah, he's like the he owns Foot Forty Five or something. Yeah, yeah, bro, he's the founder of F Forty Five, which is worth like yeah, billions bro. now, I think. So they're not yeah. short of fucking coin over there. Um, yeah, bro. Did you ever like feel on the field like overwhelmed by? Sort of, you know, pressures and that, like you talked about in that in that game against Tasman, where you kicked on the sideline, and like there would have been heaps of moments throughout your career where um, the pressure was on and stuff. Did you ever like feel quite overwhelmed by it? Because I've always noticed that you're quite a um, relaxed person, and like you kind of almost like things don't sort of phase you. No, I definitely definitely went through and been through some struggles. Like uh, for me, bro. Um, 2015 at the Blues was a real, real tough year. Like, I, like I said, I went up in 2014 and like halfway through the season and and started like the last few games of the of that season and went not too bad. And then signed a new deal there for a couple of years and expected it to be easy the the following year. Mm. Uh, went back 2015, bro, and we went we went 0 and 8 to start the season. <laughs> and I like played all those games, bro, and then. Obviously, being a ten, bro, you're the driver of the game. So, you're, if your team's not going well, you're gonna you're gonna take a lot of the heat. Um, and yeah, I took took quite a bit of heat, bro. And back then, I was young and didn't really know, you know, how to deal with it or anything. So, I'd go on social media after the game and I'd read, you know, read all the comments and see what oh, people yeah. are saying. And it really, yeah, bro. And I really like, I didn't know how to deal with it, bro. Like, I'd get on the field and I'd be like, lining up a kick, like in the middle of the game, lining up a kick, and I'd be like, wow, if I miss this, like. Someone's gonna write something about me, blah blah blah. It wasn't in the right mental place, bro, at that time. So, um, yeah, that was a big work on, bro, for me. And 
Um, lucky had some, we had a good mental skills coach at the Blues. Um, the next year, who she helped me a lot with that. And um, yeah, it's definitely with experience it's come where I've learned just to, you know, you can't, you can't care what, what people are going to write about you because yeah. people are going to write something about you no matter what. So um, yeah, I've definitely grown from, from those times, but those were definitely some tough times, like you, like you asked about. Yeah, what do you sort of to like when you look at those moments now? Like, um, what do you feel like you've changed the most since back then? I think just not, for, to be honest, like just not caring what what people think. Yeah. Like, Man. like those people are gonna, well, people are gonna write no matter what. Like, and you don't know. Like, I don't, I wouldn't know that that person from a bar of soap. So, yeah. why should I care what they think or what they're gonna write about me? I don't know what they do for a living what they do for during their, their time. So, um, yeah, not caring what people think because people are going to write stuff about you, good or bad. Um, but that goes both ways too. Like uh, I've uh, learned a bit from, you know, going back to those days as well. Like I'd, if I'd have a good game, I'd be on there, like reading all the comments, like yeah, people yeah. pumping me up and I'd be like, yo, I'm the man. I'm the man. <laughs> but like it goes both ways. Like now I just find that, you know, I just stay away from it no matter what. Like if I had a good game, you know, um, if, if the next week you got another chance. So it doesn't matter how good you, you played your last game. The only thing that matters is the, the, the next game. You know, like weird it is how different the game is probably now compared to back in the day when they used to play and there was no social media. No one would post yeah, about right. shit. Like what, it, how different it would have been. Yeah. It's weird to think about it. Eh? Like, cause so much, of today's society, not only in sport, it's just built around social media. So, yeah, yeah there's way to think of, you know, the boys just going out there playing, just enjoying it for what it is. And the only thing they'll have is the crowd there on game day, you know. Yeah, yeah. To take, to take what they're saying um, during the games. Did you ever find, like, a point in your career where you felt like you were in a sort of, what well, you talk about 2015 being, like, a tough one, maybe on the field and, like, how to deal with the pressure? Did you find, like, ever you are in... A bit of a tough like mental space. Um yeah, I think yeah, like that that yeah, really like on the field and stuff, it really really um got to me mentally as well. Like not only yeah. just on the field, but you know, off it, like obviously, like I said, I was reading comments and stuff, and I'd be like, oh, it'll just be really getting to me, and I'll be like, you know, I'm trying my best, but we're not playing well, I'm losing, like. Guys are coming at me on online, blah blah. So you know, it did um, uh, it did get to me mentally. But um, you know, like I said, we had a pretty good uh, mental skills coach, and she gave me a few tools and stuff like that to use on the field and also off the field as well to just to clear the clear the head and um, and think about why you're why you're there in the first place and why you enjoy enjoy playing rugby. What advice would you give to like a young buck coming through, just come out of school and he's probably going into the same sort of arena? Um, what would you sort of tell him? What would you tell your younger self? Um, what would I tell my younger self? Yeah, probably just all that stuff. Like uh, no matter how good you play, no matter how bad you play, people are gonna people are gonna have an opinion on on your game or on you individually, no matter what. So if you can. Um, that neutral uh, I've re- re- read this book for us called it takes what it takes and they talk about um bringing it back to just staying at neutral not getting too far ahead of yourself not getting too negative if you've had yeah. a bad game or stuff just just being in the middle 
if you can find that middle ground after you know after a man of the match performance or after you've chipped one from seven you know that's when I think you'll be on the right track just if you can come back to neutral and um just know why you're there and why you why you play the game in the first place as we saying and like just like anything um comes down to practice say eh? like I think people would probably think uh um you know, uh, I tried that and it's not working, but like, fuck, it's just like anything. Like you got to keep doing it repetitive and repetitively. And then like, you sort of get used to it. Yeah. hundred percent, bro. And I feel that, uh, consistently as well. Like, uh, for me, my preparation throughout the week, I know if I'm uh, consistent and I'm doing the same, if I'm consistent in my prep, then they'll put me in a good space moving into the, to the weekend in the game. So, but that's something I, have just learned recently like I you know in my younger days I'll be like oh yeah I feel like kicking now I'll have a few kicks here and there or one day I'll be like oh I can't bother kicking I won't kick but um yeah and just the last few years if I've found if my if my prep is consistent then uh my performance will be uh, consistent as well so yeah so you we were at the blues till what year you came down on the canes after that eh yeah, so I was at the Blues from 2014 to 2017, and then I had a year at the Canes in, uh, in 2018. Yeah, that's right. That's why I met you. Um, yeah, how old were you when you get from there to over offshore? I was 26. Yeah, 26 when we left. So a lot of people would say like that's that's like a young age to to go for for players in in the NZ. What was your sort of main reason around it? Uh, to be honest, bro, like, I wish I came over earlier. Like, really? just the lifestyle over here, bro, the, the rugby, we're just loving it, bro. Um, but the, the reason we came over, um, well, La Rochelle, they came to us and they, well, they came to my agent and said they were interested, blah, blah, blah. And this was the year before, the year before we went to the Canes. So we sort of hummed and hard, my wife, my wife now and I we was sort of hummed and hard whether we wanted to to make the move and we thought we weren't quite ready so we we signed that one year with the with the Canes and then um, and then after that we thought you know we'd have to look somewhere else because obviously La Rochelle might want someone else but we went back to them the next year and they said they were still keen um, so then we were like yeah it's, it's the right time to go like we want to experience the other side of the world we want to we want to be able to travel and um in a different language and a different culture and stuff so um yeah it was, it was just the time for us we we made a decision and we did it but like i said like i if i could have i would have i would have done it earlier yeah that's okay did, did any super teams try to hold like hold you here nah nah because when we signed yeah. with the canes they they knew that i was just going to stay for the one year and was going to go overseas um Oh yeah, and we didn't we didn't ask around any any other teams. Did um, did was there any chat from the All Blacks at all? Uh not that year, mate. Like uh, I think it was after 20, 2016 maybe. I had a couple of chats with uh, Fozzie here and there, but nothing, nothing serious or or anything. So, no. Well, what what's the difference you found in rugby over there, like um, compared to here? Oh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot different. Like, yeah, it's, it definitely takes getting used to. Like the first six months was, was pretty tough because 
like a lot of teams over here, all they do is they just scrum for penalties, kick to the corner, more for a penalty, kick three points, and then just do that on repeat. Um, yeah. And that's a lot of, a lot of teams in France, but like it's a much slower game over here, generally. There are some teams that like to play some good running rugby and have some have some pretty good talent, but um, yeah, it's a lot it's a lot more physical and a lot slower and a lot more kicking and, and forward forward orientated play than it is is back in uh, back home and back in Super. Which which would you prefer? Uh, I, I I definitely enjoy uh, um, an open open brand of rugby like. Sometimes it can get frustrating, bro. You're just standing at 10 and the scrums are taking like yeah. three or four minutes and like the forwards get angry, bro, if you get the ball out. Like if they any sense <laughs> of them moving forward and, and the nine gets the ball out just because we want to play, bro, they're just looking at them like, leave the ball in the scrum, we're going to get a penalty. <laughs> but um, we're pretty lucky at our team. Like we've got some um, foreign coaches. Like we've got Ronan O'Gara as our coach. So he's come from oh. the Crusaders. So he, oh. He's um, definitely more inclined to having like an open, yeah. open brand of rugby and letting us play what we see and stuff. So, so we're pretty lucky at our club and we play a pretty good brand of footy, I think. He's a wizard, bro. Eh? Yeah, bro. He's been around the trap, so he knows the stuff. Um, what, what's because I've always heard everyone that goes over there talks about the crowds, bro. What's the crowds been like, bro? That's the thing. That's another thing that's unreal. Like. Yeah, like most crowds in France are unreal. Um, our one, bro, has been is is crazy. Like I think they've it's like fifty eight or fifty nine games in a row that has just been sold out. Obviously, yeah, this was not counting COVID because we couldn't have um, yeah full crowd and stuff. But when there's been a, allowed to have full crowds, it's been like close to sixty games in a row that they've had a sold out. Sold out venue. I think our, oh our stadium holds 16,000. 16, so it's not the biggest in France, but like the crowd we get, bro, and like how like vocal they are throughout the game is just is just crazy, bro. And it's it's something that you know a lot of players enjoy enjoy about the game over here as well. A lot of the um the stadiums are smaller over the array as well. Yeah, bro, they're smaller. So then, like, you get it's you smart, know, bro. Why would not? Why yeah, would yeah, everyone have it like that? Yeah. So like you get like like I said, I want sixteen thousand, and it's just full, you know, every every game, like I said, and it's just packed. And yeah, most of the stadiums around are a pretty similar size. There's the odd one that's a lot, you know, a lot bigger, but yep. yeah, they're all similar size, and it's pretty cool, bro. How's your French? Uh, probably for the time I've been here, like not where it should be. Like I should be <laughs> a lot further. Like. I've been here three years, so I probably should be close to fluent, but uh, I'm not. But, you know, I can hold my own in conversations and understand, like, a lot. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty good. Not the best, like, we've got some yeah. other foreigners, bro, that are unreal. Like, Victor Vito's here. He's uh, he's done, bro. He's, he's pretty good. Okay, answer this question in French if you can. Um, okay. Tell me about your favorite restaurant in France. Ouais, c'est ici en La Rochelle, c'est, il s'appelle Isio. Ils ont un bon uh, anchocot. Um, je prends ça avec des frites. Et pour dessert, je prends de uh, chocolate lava cake. 
<laughs> I just did like uh, my favorite ones here in Larish House called ECO, and they have a pretty good uh, entrecot steak and uh, obviously a dessert. Just in lava cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have to learn, learn French when the the menus in English. <laughs> Um, I got a few. I got a few foodie questions here for you. Just uh, um, here's one that that sort of bring you back to home because I I don't think they don't have KFC over there, do they? They I've got KFC, but it's not oh, KFC. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so what what what's your go to KFC order? Oh, it's been a while, bro. Because when I have it over here, like back home, would be like a. What are the boxes called with like chicken pieces and then you get like bread rolls and stuff? I don't know. Uh, anyway, it would be like pieces, a few pieces of chicken, like a packet of those dinner rolls <laughs> with, a big potato, with a big potato gravy, bro. <laughs> over here, they don't have it. Like over here, the KFC, they don't have like chicken pieces. They just got like these little chicken, like these plastic chicken tenders. No <laughs> potato and gravy. No, like none of the bread rolls. So, yeah. We're on Struggle Street over here. KFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Fuck, that must suck, bro. Not having KFC, but you got every other best food in the fucking world over there. Yeah, bro. Um, what's your favorite food? Oh, I don't know. I go through phases, eh? Like, yeah, um, everyone does. <laughs> yeah. Like, probably for me, like, nothing will be like a good steak where I have like a, like a creamy as mushroom sauce. And some mashed potatoes, but that'll probably be my go-to. Take me back to my my childhood. <laughs> um, what about your favorite restaurant back home? Here. Ooh. I've actually been listening. Like lately, I've been thinking about Burger Fuel. Like I miss Burger Fuel. It's not really a restaurant, but more of a takeout. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've been been craving a Burger Fuel burger lately. And we'll go to that. What it. W- what do you run, what do you remember running from Burger Fuel? Uh burnout, I think it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chicken yeah. and bacon. Then some uh some fries with that aioli, bro. Yeah. Oh, and the chocolate and the chocolate shake. No <laughs> <laughs> good that? for the skinnies, bro. <laughs> Holy shit. Bro, actually, that's another thing about being in France, bro. The skinnies blow out in France, bro. Oh Just hey. Yeah, bro, the bread, like the croissants, bro, it's crazy. Oh yeah, oh, lucky, lucky the game's a bit cold. I heard the, I heard the, um, oh yeah, that would actually be true. Is it like, do you find that that's kind of better because, like, you don't get so blunt? Because like in in New Zealand, we play like fast tempo, high tempo, everything's quick. You're fucked after yeah. the game. Like, yeah. do you find like it's it's kind of better in that sense over there? The bodies are kind of good. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's definitely slower on the legs, like a lot slower game, but like I said, it's a little bit more physical. Like, bro, you yeah, should see yeah. some of the boys over here. Like, some of the, the front rowers in there are, like, massive, bro. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen much, but we've got a couple of boys in our team. Winnie Antonio, he's from, he went to Wesley, bro, but he's been in France for ages. He's, like, pushing 150 kgs. <laughs> we've got Will Skelton as well. Will Skelton, the lock from Australia, he's, like, Close to 150 weeks, bro. Like the boys over here are massive, so the game is obviously a lot slower for them as well. Does the training like reflect that? Like, is it quite less running, more physical stuff? Um, 
No, not at our team. Like uh, like I said, with Ronan, bro, he's really changed it and it's a lot similar to back how we train back home. And oh, yeah. we've got some pretty good, pretty professional like trainers as well who, you know, who are massive into their into their numbers throughout the week and stuff like that. So yeah. um no, nah, our training's pretty pretty similar to back home. Uh if you could give some advice to young young players um on overseas options, what would it be? Well, I'd say take it, eh? Yeah. Honestly, like even if you're like um young coming out of school, like even if it's for like a year or two, just to experience something different, just to see the world, like uh um we've got some couple of young uh they call the Espoirs, it's like the academy. We've got a couple of young foreign boys over here that are like 18, 19, they come over, play a bit of rugby here and like just experience the experience the French lifestyle, different culture, and then um and then if you want to, you stay. If not, you head back to New Zealand and you're still young enough to, and you have that experience of playing in a in a European competition to to fall back on. So, yeah, if yeah. I was to say anything to a young guy, I'd say take it, bro. We got a bit of a, like, issue here. I reckon we do because, like, boys sort of get caught in that um, got to play here, got to play in New Zealand, got to crack it in New Zealand because, you know, we all grow up like, oh, I want to play Super Rugby, want to play for the Chiefs, want to play for the All Blacks. Um, yeah that like a lot of boys probably give up opportunities overseas that fuck essentially, like there's dudes overseas, like where you are and stuff that um, people who wouldn't even know who they are um, and they'll be making, you know, twice what some of the All Blacks over here are making. Right, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like the sort of money you can make over here compared to like just holding on to like a dream back home is, is crazy. And like you said, like some of the boys that have come over here early, like I was saying, Wingy Antonio, he came over, like he was in and around like Canterbury for a bit and then in and around the county's, county squad and never really cracked it. But he came over here, he must have been like, he's been here 10 years, so he must have been like 20, 21. But he's, he's in the, he's played for France like at the World Cup. He's what? like, he's a, he's a um, tight head prop, bro. So over here in France, they love tight head props. So, He's on he's on some cash too and like right, he's like French as they get. But yeah, he's like one of the examples who didn't quite really crack it and instead of sticking around, he's like, oh stuff it, I'll go go somewhere else, bro. And he's he's cracked it, bro. Like he's still playing for France now. Um and he's yeah, he's he's living his best life, bro. So he didn't even make play NPC here. Nah, I don't think so. He might have played one or two games for counties, but he was never really in the mix, oh, they just said he was too big, too big and too unfit, bro. So, yeah, so he decided to come over to France, bro. And 10 years later, bro, is cracking. See, see, it's not even like just about, but you know, like not everything's about the money as well. Like, obviously, the yeah. money's fucking mean, but like the experiences you get, like, bro, the opportunities, the man's playing for France, the lifestyle you live, the chance to travel and fucking see Europe for pretty much free because you're over there, you know. Yeah, off the right. back of what they give you so I'm with you bro I reckon there's heaps more boys here that should be taking opportunities overseas and like yeah, you right. said there's probably something that um, boys don't even think about as they go overseas for an opportunity or a few years or something and they can still come back yeah, yeah. and I was in that mindset too when I was young bro like I wasn't even thinking about like going yeah. overseas or anything I was just like you know this is what you do you just stay in New Zealand and see if you can See if you can try and crack it, but yeah, if I knew what I knew now back then, like I would have been 
What are we doing? Oh, well, you're there now. Um, yeah, but exactly. What's following on from that French question? Do you find it hard to like because you're because you're the ten, you're the driver of the of the game? Do you find it hard ever to communicate on the field? Yeah, bro. My first season was yeah, I was I struggled big time with it because uh, you know not you know the voice here and there speak a bit of English, but not like fluent English, and you know it was hard to to sort of say what I wanted to, like, especially as a 10, bro, trying to drive the game, it's hard yeah. to get your to get your message across. Um, but slowly and surely, the more, you know, the more words you pick up, it, it got more and more easy. And then, like I said, we got a good group of foreigners, you know, like we've got Victor Vito, Tawara Kerbalo here. So yeah. um, it's easier to, to fall back on stuff when you've got them um, that have got your back. And we've got a couple of South, South Africans as well, one that speaks really, really good French, like he's fluent in French. So, my first year, if I wanted to say something, I was just like, oh, bro, like, can you translate for me? And they'd be like, yeah, sweet. And they just do it. Oh, like, yeah. Even on the field, bro, just be like in a little huddle, just <laughs> try and get my point across and then head, um, translate it. Hopefully oh, it was saying what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, back. Um, yeah. Well, a, a lot of your calls in, in French, are all your calls in French or? Um, oh, it's about half, half, bro. Like, oh, yeah. but, that's not really the hard thing, like because at the end of that, it's just a word that's a word, yeah. you know, associated with a move or a playoff or line or something like that. So it's just about learning the word and stuff. So yeah, that's not not too bad. Just like being on the field would be um, twice as hard because it's not just like having to communicate; it's having to communicate while you're fucked, while you're blowing, and yeah. your brain's not working properly. Yeah, bro, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, now like, my third or my fourth season, I've been in three years, so it's a uh, so slowly, slowly getting easier. You have any plans of leaving anytime soon? Nah, bro. Like um, we're loving it at the moment here. Like uh, I'm actually, there's my, I'm on my last year contract at the moment. So um, we want to stay in France. My wife, my wife loves it, loves it over here as well. So she's, you know, chomping at the bit to to stay in France somewhere. So hopefully, all things going well, we get to stay um, at La Rochelle, if not at La Rochelle, at a, at another club in France somewhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully that comes in the next next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Any talks to them about it at all? Yeah, a little bit here and there. But uh, the thing is, right now, like it's they're trying to because obviously you're only allowed a certain amount of foreigners in each team, um, and that yeah. number that number is going down every year because they're trying to make the level of French the French team and French rugby a bit higher. So. Oh, yeah. um, so that's another thing we sort of have to deal with as foreigners, is like the juggling the club, juggling the foreign numbers and the French numbers. So, um, yeah, had little talks here and there, but they're just sort of waiting to see what happens with the, the rest of the squad, I guess. It, you, you don't have any kids, eh? No, bro, just a three year old French bulldog. <laughs> well, um, the kids on the cards or? Yeah, bro. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to love to have a family of my own, um, and my wife would would love to as well. So, yeah, it's definitely on the cards. Um, maybe maybe one day soon we'll we'll see what happens. Little easies rolling around. Yeah, bro. Little little French easies. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to um Teddy Teddy Stanaway like not that long ago, and he was saying yeah. it was just crazy how his kids have been over there with him, and they're like four years or whatever it is. 
um and they're like fluent french now like they're fluent yeah, right. bilingual that's crazy yeah yeah bro like a lot of our foreign boys have got obviously got kids and stuff too and like the way the the kids pick up pick up the language bro is just crazy like all of them just like more fluent than the parents like just like translating for the parents like when they need something done it's it's crazy how quick the, the kids pick it up kids brains are sponge yeah bro 100 percent teddy he was teddy was actually here he came um he was at our club for a few weeks there's like a they call it a medical joker like we had a couple of injuries so he came and oh yeah it's been a few weeks with us so yeah bro he, he the boys loved him here but um coaches didn't want to keep him so he's <laughs> <laughs> He's a good kid, eh, that fella? Yeah, but he's the man, that dude. Um, oh, well, thanks for your time, G. Um, appreciate you jumping on. I understand it's a little bit late over there. It was almost nine o'clock over there. Yeah, bro, it's getting getting darker earlier here now, bro, moving into winter, so getting colder. But mm. nah, all good, bro. Thanks for having me, bro. Enjoyed it. I better um, send you over a couple of hoodies to keep warm, bus. Yeah, bro, that one you got on is looking, looking nice, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, my G. Appreciate you jumping on. Good to catch up, Super. too. No worries.